If you have your Bible, we are going to be in Romans chapter 10, well, the end of chapter 9 and the beginning of chapter 10. Uh, So if you want to turn there, if you don't have a Bible with you, that's all right. There should be some under the seats in front of you, in the row in front of you, or we'll have the words up on the screen in just a moment as well. If you've been with us, you know that we've been walking through the book of Romans together on Sunday mornings, and so today we're going to continue that. We said last week that our sermon last week and our sermon this week kind of go together. We asked the question, does God choose us or do we choose him? And the answer is, well, both really. And last week we talked about the fact that God is in control and he knows everything and he's over everything. But this week we're going to talk about our piece of the relationship and the decisions we have to make. Something happened to me this week that happens from time to time, and my guess is it's happened to you as well, and that is, is I picked up my phone, and I turned it on, and there was a little notification that popped up that said an update was available, and maybe you've had this happen. If you own a tablet, if you own a phone, a smartphone, then you've had this happen, right? Uh, Or maybe you turn on your computer, and it says, listen, you need to update the software. So this was a, an update for the software on my phone, and I went to the page where it talked about the update, and it said it had an important security enhan- enhancements, and I want to be secure, and so I decided I would install that, and so I tapped the install button, and it didn't start installing immediately. There was one more step that had to take place. Once I hit the install button, it took me to a different screen, and maybe you've been to this screen before. It looks a lot like the screen that's going to be up on the television, and it's a screen that has a a heading that says terms and conditions. And before it could start to install on my phone, I had to decide whether or not I wanted to acquiesce to the terms and conditions that were There And so I went to that screen, and at the bottom of that screen, it says agree or disagree. And so I had to make a decision. Am I willing to submit to the terms and conditions so that I could install the update, or uh, would I disagree? And the thing is, if I disagree with the terms and conditions, I don't get the update. And this is how a lot of our relationships work when it comes to corporations, Right? They offer us deals, or they offer us maybe an update or a software or an app, or maybe you get a coupon in the mail, or you see a deal on television. And if you want the deal, or you want the product, you can have it, but you have to submit yourself to the terms and the conditions under which you receive that product. So sometimes I'll get a coupon in the mail, and maybe you've gotten a coupon like this. And it's for one of those department stores that sits at the end of the hallway at the mall right? And the coupon comes in the mail and it says 20% off. Let's say for me, it says 20% off any men's clothing. If I flip that coupon over at the bottom of that coupon in tiny, tiny writing, there's this little section called exclusions. And maybe you've read that section before. And so it says 20% off all men's clothing. Then you flip it over and it said exclusions, shirts, pants, socks, Scarves, gloves, mittens. And by the time you're done reading the exclusions, you wonder, is it even possible to get 20% off anything in this store? But that's the deal when we come to corporations and corporate America a lot. They get to set the terms and conditions, and we get to decide whether or not we'll agree to them. 
If we agree, we get the product, we get the discount, we get the deal. If we disagree, we don't. That's the way it works. Now, there's something inside of me and something probably inside of you that doesn't really like that too much. We don't like the fact that this is Apple and Google's world and we just live in it. And we have to just agree to what they want us to agree to if we want to use their products. There's something inside of us that doesn't really like the fact that, uh, you know, we can't use certain things or get certain products without first agreeing to certain terms and conditions. And I think the reason we don't really like it is that when it comes to our lives, we like to live under our own terms and conditions, don't we? We like to set the rules for our life. We like to be in control. We like to decide what the terms and conditions are by which we'll live. In fact, in 1969, there was a song that came out. It was recorded by Old Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra. And a number of artists have recorded this song, but I think probably Frank Sinatra's version is the best known. And this is how the lyrics go. I think it sums up pretty well how we like to live. The song talks about a man who's at the end of his life, and this is what it says. I'm not going to sing it, don't worry. I'm just going to read the lyrics. And now the end is near, and so I face the final curtain. My friend, I'll say it clear. I'll state my case of which I'm certain. I've lived a life that's full. I've traveled each and every highway. And more, much more than this, I did it what? My way, way, right? That's how we like to live. In fact, this is a great compliment, right? Here we have a great compliment. A man has gotten to the end of his life, and he is essentially bragging. No matter what anyone else said, no matter what anyone else did, no matter what anyone else told me to do, I got it done my way. And that's how we like to live, isn't it? We like to set the rules for our life. We like to set the terms and conditions. We like to decide how we live. And the question I want us to think about this morning is when it comes to our relationship with God, maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're saying to me, you know, I have a relationship with God. I followed him for a long time. Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, uh, you know, I I don't have a relationship with God. And, And this question is for all of us. When it comes to God and knowing him, who gets to set the terms and conditions of that relationship? Who gets to set those terms and conditions? That's the question that I want us to think about this morning. The passage that we're going to look at in Romans, Paul talks about just this. He talks about a group of people that came to God under their own terms and conditions. And then he talks about the terms and conditions that God has for his people. And Paul talks about the decision that you and I have to make. So we're going to work through this passage in three chunks. We're going to read a couple verses. We're going to talk about them. We're going to go through three sections. And we're going to start in Romans chapter 9, verse 30, where Paul introduces us to the group of people that came to God under their own terms and conditions. This is what he says after we've had this whole big discussion of the fact that God is in control. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, that is a righteousness that is by faith, but that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. 
And I'll stop there for now. So this is what Paul says, Paul introduces us to. Paul introduces us uh, to a couple groups of people. He talks about the Israelites and he talks about the Gentiles. And Paul's painting a little bit with broad strokes here. He's not talking about all of the Israelites necessarily and all of the Gentiles, the Gentiles being people who are uh, Greek in, in, um, in heritage at this, in his audience. So there, he had the people who were of Jewish descent and the people who were not. And those are the groups that he's talking about. He's not talking about all the Gentiles. He's not talking about all the Israelites, but he's talking a little bit in generalities. And he says, here's what happened when Jesus came. And if you've been following us through the book of Romans, a lot of details we've talked about in past weeks. We've talked about the fact that God's people, the Israelites, for thousands of years had God's law. And they felt that the way that they were going to get on God's good side and have a relationship with God was by keeping that law perfectly. And when it came to deciding who was keeping the law good enough that God would be pleased, they came up with their own system. So they were the ones who knew what was good and knew what was bad. They had the law and they added a bunch of rules to it. They had what was good and they had what was bad. And when it came to deciding who was good and who was bad, they also had their own system, their own court system, their own religious system. And they were the ones who were determining you're good and you're bad. And so the message that comes through Jesus Christ and again, I'm summarizing a lot of what we talked about in the book of Romans already, is that salvation or relationship with God is completed through Jesus. And it's not just through the law, as many of the Jewish people felt like it was, but it's now completed, it comes through Jesus. And so Paul says, here's the problem. Here's the issue we're having. Some people are coming to God and they're finding a relationship with him. Some people are coming to God and they're finding that they don't have a relationship with him. And the issue is the people that are coming to God and finding that they don't have a relationship with him are coming to God on their own terms and conditions. They've decided this is how this relationship works. And specifically to many of the Israelites, they decided this is how it's going to work. The good people go to heaven, the bad people don't. Who decides who the good and bad people are? We do. And that's the way it's going to work. And Paul's saying, listen, there's a problem here. Because they're setting the terms and conditions, and they're coming to God, and rather than listening to what God's terms and conditions might be, they're saying to themselves that they have it all figured out. They know how God should act. They know how God should think. They know how a relationship with God should work. And they are the ones setting the terms and conditions. And we really do the exact same thing today, don't we? It might look a little different. We're not necessarily saying, okay, I think salvation's coming by following the Old Testament rules, but we certainly come to God. And we say to God, okay, God, I'd, if you're real, then I'd love to have a relationship with you. And if salvation is real, then I would definitely like to have salvation. If that's a real deal, that after this earth I spend eternity with you, I would like to have it. But here's how it's going to work, God. And we come to God and we tell him how it's going to work. If I'm going to come to you, then I would like for you to be in my life, we'll say, and just take care of all the bad stuff that happens. 
I'll handle all the other things. You come in, you fix things when things are wrong. I'll take care of everything else. And that will be one of the terms and the conditions. You come in, God, but I'm going to still live my life the way that I want to live. I'm still going to make all the moral decisions in my life. But I still, I still want the relationship, still want the salvation. But I'll still make all the rules for how I live day to day. And we do this exact same thing. God, I'll come to you and I want a relationship with you, but I don't want to hear anything about the fact um, that this is an exclusive deal and that some people are in and some people are out. I don't want to hear anything about that. I just want, I want the relationship with you. I want salvation and I want uh, all these people, they should have it too. I've decided and that's the terms and that's the conditions. We do the exact same thing today. All of us, whether we followed God for a long time or, or we don't really feel that close to him, we come to God with our own set of terms and conditions. And we say to God, listen, I want the relationship with you. I want you in my life. But here's how it's going to work. Do you agree or disagree? And Paul says something happens when we come to God in that way. And that is we reach a stalemate in our relationship with God. Our relationship with God, when we come to him under our own terms and conditions, just like Paul's saying the Israelites did, we will always reach a stalemate in our relationship. This is exactly how Paul puts it in the next section. Verse 32, he says, why? Because they, they, the Israelites, did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone, he says, as it is written, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So what is Paul saying there? Well, Paul's saying, listen, on the... On our journey to God, if we come with our own terms and conditions, we reach an impasse. He uses this word, stump, we hit a stumbling stone in our relationship with God. It's kind of like what happens to me fairly regularly this time of year, and perhaps it happens to you, and that is I'm trying to get somewhere on all of these back roads, and our towns and our cities here in New England have about three weeks every year to repave everything, right? You know how this works. And so it happens multiple times to me, and it's happening this time of the year, that you turn on the road that you always go down, and there's a big gate there, or there's a police officer there, and a big orange sign that says detour, and you have to go a different direction. That's exactly what Paul says is happening to people, is that they're trying to come to God, but something is standing in their way. And what's standing in their way, he says, is a stumbling stone. Well, what is this stumbling stone that Paul is talking about? He doesn't say it here, but much more specifically in his letter to the church at Corinth, and again, the apostle Peter in his letter, 1 Peter, they both say very specifically that when we're talking about the stumbling stone, they're talking about the person of Jesus Christ. And what Paul is saying is all these people thought they were going to be good enough to get into heaven, that it was going to be under their own power and under their own control. And what happened is, is God sent his son, Jesus, down to this earth, and God said, no, salvation isn't going to come by you being a good enough person. Salvation is going to come through my son, Jesus. And that created a huge problem because the terms and conditions were different. 
It's like if you were to sit down at a negotiating table, you're buying a car, you're buying a house, uh, you're settling a lawsuit, something like that, and you sit down with an insurance company or something, and you have what you want to get the deal done, and they have what they want to get the deal done. If you can't figure that out, you're not going anywhere. And we come with our own terms and conditions to our relationship with God. And God comes to us with his son, Jesus Christ. And for those of us who think we have it all figured out, and we think we have the terms and conditions of the relationship all figured out, what happens is we hit this roadblock and we don't go anywhere. In our relationship with God, Jesus is either going to be a stumbling block in that relationship, or he's going to be a stepping stone, and we get to make that determination. He's either going to be a stumbling block or he's going to be a stepping stone and we get to make that determination. And Paul says for those who come to God and they say we have the terms and conditions of this relationship figured out, Jesus becomes a very divisive figure. And the same thing happens today, doesn't it? And it's amazing that somebody who came and said things like, blessed are the meek and blessed are the peacemakers and and someone who came and healed the sick and took care of the poor and fought for those who were suffering from injustice, uh, did all of those things, could still today be such a divisive figure. But he is. And why is that? Well, I'll just say a couple of things. This could be a whole sermon in itself, but I'll just say a couple of things. Why is it that Jesus remains so divisive? If salvation comes through Jesus, then I have to admit a couple of things. First, I have to admit that I'm not in control of this whole deal. That I'm not as in control of my life as I want to be or I want people to think that I am. And we don't really like not being in control, having control over everything. If I come to Jesus and I say salvation is through him, that means no matter how good I am, I still can't make it into heaven on my own. I have to admit that I need some other way. And we don't like that. We like to think of ourselves as good people. We have been taught for a whole generation now that we are basically good people and we should think well of ourselves and have high self-esteem. And I'm not preaching against high self-esteem, but what I'm saying is it's, it's made us oblivious to the fact that that's not good enough to, to, to secure a relationship with God, that we'll never be good enough to do that. So we don't like giving up control. We don't like admitting that we have help. If we say that Christ is the way to salvation, then Christ has to become the seat of our identity. That means before anything else we identify ourselves as, we are first followers of Christ. And we don't like that at all either. We like to find our identity in maybe our family relationships or our sexuality or our jobs or somewhere else. But if we follow Christ, then Christ becomes the main point of our identity. I don't know if you saw uh, this week the synchronized divers from the United States. Uh, It's one of those things that I only watch every four years. And I wouldn't care about it if it wasn't the Olympics. But when it's in the Olympics, it seems very important. So there's two divers, and they are individual divers, and they team up for the synchronized diving, which is pretty impressive, off that 10-meter platform that I don't think I'd ever jump off of. And their names were David uh, Bodia and Steele Johnson. Steele Johnson. He should be a crime fighter, but he's a diver. So they got together and they won the silver. And I don't know if you saw their interview. I happened to be watching the Olympics that night. And um, the NBC reporter came up to them. 
And I noticed after they got done diving and they won the silver medal, they got together with their coach. And I said to myself, it looks like they're praying. And so then they came over to the interview. And the interviewer said to David uh, Bodia, who's the older of the two and the, the veteran Olympian, how has your week been in Rio? How has your time been in Rio? And he said, it's been great. And he said, I'll tell you why it's been great. Whenever I make the mistake of thinking my identity is a diver, things don't go well for me in life. But whenever I remember that my identity is in Jesus Christ, things go great and I'm freed up to dive. And he said, I almost expected them to cut the feed, but they didn't. And he said, this week I've just been reminding myself, my identity is in Christ, in my relationship with him. So no matter what happens off the 10-meter platform, it's okay. And she went to, the reporter went to Steele Johnson, who was his, his diving partner, and said, what about you, Steele? How has your week been? And he said, David said it best. Remembering our identity is in Christ, and things have gone well. I could feel the collective eye-rolling of a nation when they were saying that on the television. Because we don't like that. We don't like it when people find their seat of identity in Jesus. We want them to find it somewhere else. And Jesus is this divisive figure because if you follow him, that takes precedence over everything else. That informs everything else. That's where your identity begins. It's not just a side piece of your identity. It is your identity. And so if we come to Jesus, we have to admit that he's in control. We have to admit that we, have help, we need help. He becomes the seat of our identity. We have to admit that people we don't like and people that have hurt us can also be forgiven through Jesus. We don't really like that too much. And we also are saying that salvation is exclusively through Jesus, and we really don't like that in our culture today. So there's all these reasons why Jesus is this very divisive figure, and he's either going to be a stumbling stone in your walk with Jesus Christ, or in your walk with the Lord, or he's going to be a stepping stone. Well, what makes the difference? What makes the difference is whether or not we are willing to accept God's terms and conditions for a relationship with him. We say to God, God, we want to have a relationship with you, but on our terms and conditions. And God says back to us, listen, I want to have a relationship with you. I love you more than you could ever imagine, but it's going to be on my terms and conditions. And whether or not we choose to accept the fact that a relationship with God comes on his terms and conditions will be the difference between whether or not Christ is a stumbling block or a stepping stone to us. Whether or not Christ will keep us from a deep relationship with God or whether or not Christ will lead us into a relationship with God. So what are God's terms and conditions? This is what God says to us. I want a relationship with you, but under my terms. And here are my terms. In verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Now listen to this. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. 
For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Paul says, well, what are God's terms and conditions? Here they are, and they're real simple. In fact, Paul says, they're the exact same conditions that Moses gave you thousands of years ago. He goes back to a speech Moses gives in Deuteronomy chapter 30. And Moses is bringing God's law to the people, and, God, and Moses says to the people, this law is to be on your hearts and on your mouth. And Paul says, the terms and conditions haven't changed. You want a relationship with God? You want, a, you want a salvation? It's about your heart, and it's about your mouth. And he says, here are the conditions. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and with your mouth that you confess and are saved. Those are the terms and conditions. Believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, and by believing that he's Lord, give him control of every area of your life. Admit that he is the one who can provide that salvation and follow him. And then Paul's basically saying, find ways to live it out. We sometimes like to relegate our decision to follow Jesus to be a very private decision. And in fact, there's a big move in our culture. This is, we'll talk more about this next week. There's a big move in our culture to relegate our faith to these walls. That we can do anything we want here, but when we go out there, we have to leave it all here and we'll pick it up again next Sunday at 10. That's the big move in our world. More than ever before in this election uh, process, We've heard people from both sides say religion is something that should stay out of politics. It's never been that way before in our country. And so there's this move to keep it all in here and not let it go out there. But Paul's saying it's about your heart and it's about your mouth. It's not just about this personal decision. It's also about finding ways to live it out. And he's not talking about going out and hopping up on a park bench this afternoon and screaming at everybody. He's talking about finding loving ways to talk about how you follow Jesus and how much you love him and how he loves others and how he is the way that God has provided. Last Saturday, we had a baptism service where nine people were baptized. Many of you in this room were there. That's a way to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you're following him. And so Paul's saying, you do two things. Here's the terms and conditions. You believe in your heart, and you go and you live it out. You confess with your mouth. If you're willing to do those two things, you will be saved. And what are the limits? What are the exclusions? Nobody's excluded. There's no exclusions here. If you want to participate in this, if you'll agree to the terms and conditions, it is available to you. Paul uses the word everyone three times at the end of this passage. Who can be saved? Everyone can be saved. It is open to all. The question is whether or not we will choose to agree or disagree. If we agree, we get the relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and we get an eternity in heaven with him. We have a meaningful, purposeful life that doesn't end on this earth but exists for eternity. If we disagree, then there will always be a roadblock, an impasse, a stumbling block in our relationship with God. It seems so simple, doesn't it? But it's such a hard thing for us to do. 
We don't want to give up control. We don't want to admit that we can't do it on our own. We don't want to let God tell us how to live and what to do. In any relationship, the person who gets to set the terms and conditions of the relationship is the person that's in control. I can disagree on my phone all I want. Apple ain't giving me anything unless I hit agree. They are in control. It's their product. It's their software. I have to agree if I want it. If I disagree, I'm not going to get it. It works the same way with all these corporations. If you agree, you get the product. If you disagree, you don't. Because they're the ones that are in control in that situation. When our relationship with God, he's in control. He's the maker. He's the creator. And so he's the one that gets to set the terms and conditions. We have a decision to make. We can hit agree or we can hit disagree. If we hit agree, then we get that relationship with him. If we hit disagree, then there will always be a roadblock. It's so simple, but it's so hard for us to do. The very end of that song by Frank Sinatra there, My Way, says this. He says, for what, a, what is a man, what has he got? If not himself, then he has not. And then listen to this line. To say the things he truly feels and not the words of one who kneels. We don't want to be the kind of people that kneel down and admit that someone else is in control. We want to do what we feel, what we think is right. We want to be in control. But God says that for a relationship with him, for salvation, those aren't the terms and conditions. The terms and conditions are we admit that he is in control. When I go to the doctor, I don't go and walk into the doctor's office and say to the doctor, doctor, here's the disease I have and here's the best way for you to treat it. I walk into the doctor and I say to her, I say, listen, these are my symptoms. This is what is going on. And then the doctor turns around and he or she prescribes a cure for me. It's the same way in our relationship with God. We come to God and we say, God, I'm looking for significance. I'm looking for meaning. I'm looking for purpose. I'm looking for a hope outside of this world. What is it that you would prescribe? What is the cure? And God gives us the cure through his son, Jesus Christ, and says, if you'll believe, and if you'll confess, then you can have it, the relationship with me, and salvation forever. And some of you are in this room this morning, and never in your life have you ever hit agree. And maybe today's the day you do. Say, all right, God, I've tried it on my own. I tried it under my own terms and conditions, and I have found out time and time again, it doesn't work. And for many of us that have followed God for a long time, we've only partially agreed to the terms and conditions. We've given God a piece of our life, but we haven't given him the whole thing. We've made God a part of our identity, but he hasn't become the entire identity. We've partially believed, we've partially confessed. And maybe this morning is the morning we hit agree again and give God everything that we have and truly believe and truly confess. Salvation is available to everyone, but terms and conditions apply. I'm going to invite our worship team back this morning. And I'd invite you just to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. And maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, listen, I hear what you're saying. I don't even know if I fully understand it, but I know that in my life, 
I have never come to God and I've never agreed to these terms and conditions before. I've never come to God and I've never said to God, okay, God, you're in control. I believe in you. I believe in Jesus Christ. And I'm willing to go and I'm willing to live it out based on that belief. Maybe you've never made that decision before. And I want you to know this morning, God wants a relationship with you. He wants it. The only question is, will you agree to his terms? No one's excluded from the offer. No matter where you've been and no matter what you've done, no matter what's been done to you, God loves you more than you could imagine and he wants a relationship with you. He's just asking you to come on his terms, to trust him, to give control over to him. And if you're here this morning and you want to do that for the first time this morning, I'd encourage you just in your own heart and in your own mind to say to God, God, today is the day that I believe that Jesus is Lord. And I want to go from this place and I want to live that out and confess that it's true. I'm sorry for the things that I've done. I'm sorry for the times I've come to you on my own terms. But God, today I accept your terms. Ask that you would forgive me and take control of my life. If you would do that today, I promise you those stumbling blocks in your relationship with God will turn into stepping stones. And you'll start growing deeper and deeper in your relationship with him. And maybe you've followed God for a long time and some stumbling stones have cropped up in your relationship with him and today would be the day that you say again, all right, God, you're in control. I'm sorry, I forgot. And I started operating under my own terms and not yours. And so today I come back to you again and I say, okay, God, you're in control. You're the one who's in charge. You're the one who provides the salvation. And so I trust in you. God, I know and I trust that your Holy Spirit's at work this morning in many lives. And Lord, I pray this morning would be a turning point for many of us. As we're reminded of how simple your terms are, that we would believe and confess, but how difficult they are to agree to. God, forgive us for the times that we've come to you with our own terms and our own conditions. Lord, this morning we together say that we accept your terms and your conditions and we thank you for Jesus Christ who came down and lived this life the way that we could not and who died on the cross for our sins. And we thank you for the hope and the peace and the eternal joy that is available through him. And we give you all honor and all glory because you are the only one who is worthy. So God, take control of our lives. Help us to live the way you call us to live. Help us to go out and boldly confess the truth that you are Lord. Pray that you'll move among us as we close in Jesus' name.